You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 252, Sherilyn Decker and Learning to Roar. Are you ready to use your voice? Welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience, the ups and the downs, and I'm excited to go through all of that with our guest today. Before we get there, I just want to let you know if you uh, haven't had a chance to go out to halfwaytherepodcast.com, that's where we keep show notes, including for this episode. The notes are where you can find everything that we talked about, including uh, websites and books and all those things so that uh, you don't have to remember it if you're driving or doing the dishes or cooking or something. While you're uh, listening, you can always go back uh, later on and hit the notes and get links to all of those things. There is a Patreon button there if you're interested in supporting the show as well. I know it's weird times out there, but it does help every little bit. And I appreciate all of you who've already jumped on that. Would love to, to have you on board. Okay, well, let's introduce our guest today. I'm excited uh, to to hear her story. She's a fellow Coloradan at this point. She's a best-selling author, a speaker, and a coach. And uh, I can't wait to hear how she got into all those things. Our guest is Sherilyn Decker. Sherilyn, welcome to Halfway There. Hey, Eric. So good to be with you. And it's so nice to be with a Denver neighbor. Yeah, that's right. I love Colorado, although... Uh, I, you, you said earlier, it's been a little bit of a, of an experience for you moving here. So I'm sure we'll get into that, but tell us right now, kind of where God has you and, and what you're doing. Where God has me is I hope fingers crossed, legs crossed, toes crossed, all of it, that I'm coming out of my season of wilderness. Yeah. I hope that, you know, I, the, the light is at the end of the tunnel and I feel like I'm, I'm coming out. This has been a, a journey that I hope we'll get through. And so it, there's, it's tasting and see that the Lord is good is where I'm in right now. I'm getting small little morsels that, okay, you're almost there. I, I just wrote a blog post this morning or last, uh, it posted this morning about discouragement and how I just was in this season of just completely being pummeled. And God just reminding me that he's with me and not to give up and not to give in. And then I see this beautiful meme on Facebook that said something like I tried to throw, throw in the towel. God threw it back and said, wipe your face. You're not done yet. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I, it's just in that process of that trying to get where we're going, where, you know, we just kind of get this onslaught of, of opposition. And so that's kind of been the season I'm in, but I, you know. I have plenty of, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for the people God has put in my life to kind of keep me going. Well, that's, yeah, that's great. So let's, I want to dig into all of that and we'll kind of go back and then figure out how you got here. And just, I'd love to hear that kind of story because that's what I love to do. So um, you're in Colorado now, but I don't think you're from here. So where'd you grow up? I grew up in the East Coast outside of Washington, D.C., I was there my entire life, went to college at Virginia Tech, studied um, political science. I thought I was going to be a, uh, thought I was going to be a lawyer, went to law school, graduated with an MRS. That means a missus. (laughs) I came out of there with a husband. He's not a a lawyer. We met at church. So we say we're friends of friends, right? Because (laughs) who meets at church these days? We met there, uh, we got married, and then very quickly, God made it clear that 
uh, practicing law in the way I thought was going to be was not going to be what he was going to be asking me to do. I did spend 13 years working for internet companies in the technology space, doing everything from contracts to um, uh, negotiations for all kinds of deals. And it was fun and it was great. It was also um, a, a big season of pride for me that got oh. had to strip off. Um, and so that, from that position, I left and we can talk a little bit about that if you'd like. And I went to go work for a startup that was a bad fit. Oh no. Okay. And it was that startup where I got laid off and then my husband's job moved us out to Colorado. So my whole entire life with this brief period of time in Pennsylvania for law school. And, uh, but other than that, I've kind of been here for the last six and a half years. Gotcha. Okay. Well, yeah, it's been interesting in Colorado in the last, that time probably as well. Cause it's just, it's, I feel like the whole culture shifted a little bit, certainly from when I moved here 17 years ago, it was very purple as a state and now it's not, it's just a different environment. Um, but, uh, so that's good. Well, all right. So I want to go back. So you grew up in Washington, DC and was it, you said to me earlier before we got recording that those of us who were born in the womb or saved in the womb, right? Like as how you put it, which I love. So it was a Christian family and you kind of grew up going to church. Christian family, several generations deep. So I'm so thankful for that yeah. heritage. Um, yeah. So my parents, um, were both saved. They were also grew up in Christian homes. And so the church was just part of our lifestyle. Yeah. It was just what we did. We were there Sunday mornings. We, you know, we went, uh, we were there Sunday nights. My mom was there on Tuesday for choir. I was there Wednesday night for whatever they were doing. And if there was some sort of revival or potluck or whatever, yeah. <laughs> we were there. That was just part of what we did growing up. And it was a great foundation. I'm super grateful for all of the Sunday school classes and everything that I learned on the felt board. Yeah. Right. <laughs> about all those stories. Um, you know, and I kind of, I kind of miss that. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, I have, I have two kids. I have, they're 13 and 11. And so right now in this season of everything being quarantined, there's no, there's, very little resources for kids, um, yeah. you know, and teaching them the gospel outside of, you know, we're just going to plug into online church and let, hope you get something out of this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so a couple of things, I think there's definitely simplicity to that sort of felt board, uh, faith, which is, is kind of nice. Um, you know, obviously you grew up and grew out of that maybe, but then also, uh, we have kids actually, so our, my two youngest are just like a year younger than yours. So they're like 12 and 10 right now. And they'll turn, they'll the next one's in October. So that's, uh, but, uh, so yeah, I can relate to that. We, one thing our church did that was really great is they had a kid's moment in the online service, which I thought that was super, super smart. Um, okay. So growing up, go, going to church, how did your faith become your own? Like, did you develop that as you, you know, obviously you did as you, as you were growing and going to church and probably involved in the youth group and all that kind of thing. I was, I was involved in youth group and then we would, my parents would send me to children's camp yeah. and youth camp. And back in those days, you know, the church bus would fill up with all the kids and they'd take us, you know, into, for us, it was into West Virginia and we would just spend a week at the camp doing all kinds of stuff. And it was there that I had personal encounters with God I mean, I met, he met me in the, in the altar. He met me. Um, I was filled with the spirit 
in that particular season. And it just became a rich place where I looked forward to going. Yeah. Well, what does that look like? What what does filled with the spirit look like in, in your experience? So it started for me with speaking in tongues with a prayer language, not knowing exactly what that was. And it was one of those things where we were encouraged to ask because the Bible says in Acts that all were filled. And so that was an invitation that was available to all of us. And not every faith believes that. And I understand that. But that was, you know, the the foundation that I was in. And so yeah. we did. We just asked and God poured out, poured out. And as I've grown in that spirit filled, what does that look like to walk with with in that I've learned to hear God's voice? And I mean I hear his voice audibly. Like it will almost mm. be like you and I are talking. And sometimes it's just that voice that sounds like mine, but I know that was not my original thought. Like there is no way that was my idea. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then there are times that, you know, we are all familiar with the conviction, the sounds of convictions when you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing that. And so that's, you know, that's the spirit leading us and guiding us and kind of being our Jiminy Cricket to, to do certain, to avoid certain things or certain people. So then it kind of grew in discernment. And then I became a dreamer and I, God began to show me things in dreams. And I didn't realize early on that those dreams were significant. I just was like, oh, that was pretty cool. I had this amazing dream about this, that, or the other <laughs> thing. And then I began to realize now I journal my dreams. I write them down as soon as I get up there and they become um, directional for me. And they become pieces where God is like showing me that something is coming, not necessarily good, sometimes bad, sometimes good, most always like, okay, the next step is coming. Um, And so that's kind of been fun to kind of walk in the last several years. Well, okay. So that's great. I really want to unpack some of that because I think that's an experience maybe in, in your tradition is pretty, is common, but not in the one I grew up in. So I grew up in the one where it was much more heady, evangelical. Like we, we believed in the Holy spirit, but that was it. Like we, we didn't actually think the Holy spirit was going to talk to us. Right. So that was, uh, but I'm, I've grown much more prim- primarily because of this podcast uh, in, in that now. So I'm really curious about how that kind of happened and, and what kind of, um, what kind of steps either did it take? Like when was the first time you really like heard the Lord and and trusted that it was him? Cause that's sometimes a a hard thing. Or was there a person who kind of showed you how to do this or how, how did you, how did you develop that over time? I wish I could say that I was part of a church that equipped and trained me in that stuff. So it felt more like fumbling through the dark. Yeah. Like I wasn't sure what, whether, I mean, I didn't think, oh, I'm hearing voices, but I kind of knew that, okay, that person I need to stay away from because there was something in my spirit that just didn't kind of sit well with me. And so then the Lord would just be like discouraging a friendship, for instance. And, and then later on, it became like, um, I remember very clearly when I knew that God was asking me to lay down my law career. Mm. Yeah. Tell us that story. It was one of those things where we were in the denomination I grew up in and the one my husband and I were attending, we were kind of, we were exploring different, um, how do I say that spiritual practices? And one of the things we were doing was kind of this, um, 
they had put this, I can't, I'm trying to remember the season it was in. I, it might've been around Easter, but we were doing these stages of the cross type of yeah. thing. And they put this big cross up in the sanctuary and they were asking us just to kind of, you know, ask God what he was asking us to, to surrender. What was he asking us to let go of? And I was just a new law school graduate and I'll never forget my, you know, I was just spending some time at the altar and I was just praying and God's just like, will you give that to me? Wow. And I'm like, will I give what to you? Like, so it's, so it's a conversation and I will tell you, I argue with him. I'm just, I just do. It's part, he knows my thoughts. That's what the Bible says. So why should I hide them? I might as well just come out with it. Sure. And so I just be like, well, I'll give you what? And then he is like, will you trust me? Will you give me law school? And I'm like, or your law degree. And I was just like, yes. And I did not know that at that time I would never get a law, a law firm job. I would, I would miss the bar exam by one point. Like that's not God speaking loudly. He was telling me in advance, do you trust me? This has been a dream of your life. Like I have given you this since you were a kid, but do you trust me? And like, I, I was so frustrated because here I was studying, I had hired tutors and I'd miss it by one point. I even would interview with the bar examiners and I'd be like, what did I do wrong? And they're like, you know, I, we could find all places where you could have done this a little bit different or that a little bit different. Just take it again and you'll be fine. And, and then the Lord was just like, no. Mm. And that was a significant surrender. And I feel like that's been a lot of the things that God was asking me for was, do you trust me with this? And another really significant one is when we were about ready to um, move to Colorado, I did not want to come. I mean, Eric, I held so firm to everything that was in my life, like a tightly held fist Mm, and every single one God had to pry open and be like, you know, will you let that go? And one of them is I was in worship ministry. That was how I served in my church for probably since I was 15 years old. And so at the time, this was probably in my late 30s that we were moving to Colorado. So for you know decades, I'd been microphone in hand. And then all of a sudden, God's like, let it go. And I'm like, I don't want to let it go. Like, this is who I am. This is part of my identity. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, I lost my hearing. Oh, wow. For a season, I lost my hearing. I still cannot completely pick out harmonies like I used to. And I don't understand it. I know I'm, I just trust God that he'll bring it back at some point. But I did. I let it go and I stepped down. And we, I mean, I, I'll still never, I'll never forget it. I was standing up there. We were leading worship and I all of a sudden couldn't hear the worship leader anymore. I could hear him, but I couldn't hear my part in comparison to what he was singing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And all of a sudden I couldn't pick out my part and I'm like, what's going on? And the sound guy's messing with my monitor and he's turning it way up. I probably damaged my ear way more than that. And yeah, <laughs> yeah. anything else. And so they're like, I don't know why you can't hear everybody, Cheryl. And it's as loud as I'll get out in front of your face. Like, <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, what on earth is happening? And I went and got my hearing tested and I got special, you know, um, my ear monitors made and all kinds of stuff. And it just was not helping. And then they, my test results came back and they're like, yeah, you have like 80% hearing loss in your ear. I'm like what? Wow. <laughs> so it has not been retested since and because I, why, why? Because God asked me to let go of something. And so I did. And every single thing was like that. You know, will I let go of my job? Will I let go of my house? Will I let go of the fact that my family is here? And that we, we have an entire group of friendship support, like everything I was holding on to, God was like, will you give it to me? 
so that I can move you someplace else. So that is primarily how God speaks with me. He asks me those types of challenging questions that says, do you trust me with this, whatever that is? Okay. So how do you answer that? A wrestle. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm extremely mouthy with the Lord. I, I have no problem telling him I don't like his answer. Yeah, that's I, good. I'm, I'm quicker to obey these days because I realize that the, the Israelites spent 40 years in the wilderness because they wouldn't right. <laughs> listen. So I try to, to quickly get into alignment with what he's asking me to do because ultimately his plans are exceedingly abundantly better than mine. Yeah. And so I should stop trying. That's really interesting. So I love this idea of identity and what I'm hearing you say, you tell me if this is what is accurate or not, but is that you kind of had built up your own identity based on your abilities and your skills. You went to law school, you were singing, you were, you were doing, you, you had your kind of life, maybe the way you wanted it. I don't know, but you kind of built that. And the Lord said to you, felt, or you sensed that he was saying to you like, okay, I want you to give all that to me. And well, I'm going to take you someplace else. You are spot on. Identity is exactly it. I had, I was successful in my job. We were a dual income family. We had, we were living comfortably and God asked for every single last bit of it. And when, when I talked about how sometimes God would show me dreams, here's a directional dream for me that could, could freak somebody out. So I had this dream that I was dressed in a, um, kind of like a, a worker's shirt, like somebody who would come to your house, a repairman, and they typically have their name on one side of the patch. And on the other side of the patch is where they work. And when I looked at this, this shirt in the dream that I was wearing, the name was still there, but the where you worked part was ripped off. And so you could see right through it. And so I'm like, what is that? Well, I know that God speaks with me in dreams. So I wake up, I write it down. I sit with it for a little bit. I don't necessarily have any direction other than something's about ready to change at work. That's all I thought. Yeah. So fast forward, probably three weeks later, four weeks later, maybe. And I get a second dream. It's very similar, except for this time I'm wearing a Boy Scout uniform. I'm covered in patches. Every single patch you could possibly earn I'm wearing a part of this uniform and it's completely ripped off every patch. I'm standing there in this uniform with holes in it all over the place. So everything I had earned that the world says is successful, that says that, you know, I should be happy. All of those things God asked for. And so he showed me in this dream that everything was going to be stripped away. Would I trust him? And I knew very clearly we were going into that identity work because I hired a spiritual director to walk me through that season. And she's like, this is what you are experiencing. Um, This is what all of that is. And this is, you know, you're about ready to feel a little bit of turbulence and a little bit was an understatement. (laughs) Okay. Well, okay. So first of all, I have to ask, how did you know to get a spiritual director? Because that's also not common. It is not. So (laughs) that is another God thing. So when I lost my job in um, early 2015, um, I hit this absolute rock bottom of not knowing who I was anymore because everything that I did and was was associated with what I did, right? My identity. And so I was in this place and I thought, well, let me just go hire a life coach um, to kind of get me direction for the next step. And this 
lady's name just kind of dropped into my spirit or into my mind. And I looked all over for her at church. She had taught some different um, seminars at church on purpose and different things mm. on um, classes kind of like that in a, in a Bible study type of format. And so I was looking for her everywhere. And for months, I could not find her. And then it was like, I went to lunch with somebody who's a dear friend of mine. And I was telling her, I just can't find Mary. That's her name. And she's like, oh, well, she just, you know, God moved her to a, you know, an, another place. And I was like, oh, and I was like, well, I need to find how to get in contact with her. And she says, well, that's funny because she hired me in January. I'm her executive assistant. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Conveniently. Yeah, like, you found so her. Here's, this lady's been on my heart. I look all over for her at church. I can't find her. Go to lunch with a friend who happens to be her assistant. So I get connected with Mary and I talk to her about where I'm at and what's going on. And she was just flat out honest. You know, I was, she's like, unless you know where you're going, I can't help you get there. What you need is we need to see God and we need to find out why he has you here. And so it wasn't that I was looking for a life coach necessarily, because that usually has a destination in mind. I needed somebody to walk the spiritual journey with me yes. and help me discover everything that my foundational faith had not mentioned. Right. Okay. Like what? Well, like it's not all roses. <laughs> right. <laughs> Number one, that in this life, there will be trials and your persecution helps to build character and perseverance and it helps feed your, you know, grow your faith. And oh, by the way, that faith is that substance that says you can't see anything. <laughs> All of these things that make the Christian life, you know, feel not appetizing at all. And it's one of those things where I didn't, I never knew that I was going to struggle with who I was. I never knew that I didn't know who, whose I was. I knew God loved me. I had a real personal relationship with God. I was reading my Bible, but for some reason, it didn't make the distance from my head to my heart that it truly became everything that I am and could have nothing else. And that's what this whole stripping process was. Will you take nothing? If it's just me. Yeah, man. I love that. There's a line in, um, Oh, who is it? What's his name? I forget the guy with the beard. I forget the song. I've got to cut all this out now, but uh, there's a, there's a line in what, the song, how he loves, you know, that song, David Crowder. That's the guy, uh, where he says we are his portion and he is our prize. Right. And every time I hear it, I love that because that's what you're saying, right? You had to learn that the Lord was the thing you get out of life, not all the other stuff. You know, this is what it means to like seek first the the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added, right? Like he's he's the first. Sounds like that that was your journey. It was, but it came through um having to let everything go and it came through realizing that not our, you are that he is my provider in every sense of the word because i'd lost my job yeah. in a dual income city where you know we i mean that was just from a financial standpoint we lost 60% of our income yeah that was traumatic <laughs> i tell the lord all the time i think there's still some residue left we need to work on that <laughs> right right that's tough I'm so what I'm I want to know more about that that whole experience that whole that because it sounds like maybe you're still are you still there are you still are you not as much okay I'm not still there because about six months in 
So remember, I'm leading worship still at this time. I'm leading worship. I lost my job. I'm working with a spiritual director. Come Labor Day, um, about September. So that would have been like, yeah, almost about six months I've been working with this lady. And I go to a barbecue and the barbecue was a mixed audience, people from church and then people from work because it was a lady that I used to work for who went to my church. So she invited, you know, like everybody. And so I'm at her backyard and I'm walking in. Now I don't work there anymore. I've been gone over a year. Wait, she wasn't the one who fired you, was she? No, no. Okay, good. (laughs) No, but she was the one that hired me probably 13 years before. Okay. And so I'm walking into her backyard with my family. And at this point, my toddlers, right, carrying some sort of, I don't know if I was dessert or salad, like that kind of barbecue, right? (laughs) (laughs) And I'm walking in and this lady that used to work for me is there and she sees me and she says to me, Sherilyn, I recognized your form, but not your countenance. Eric, so much had changed in my life that somebody who used to work for me every single day recognized my body coming in, Mm. but I had had such a transformation in my spirit in that short period of time that I was almost unrecognizable. Wow. And I I thought that was kind of a crazy, okay, well, you know, you're overly flattering. It happened again when we were at church standing in the coffee line. And this lady came up to my husband and I and asked if we were having another child. And we're like, (laughs) like he nearly spit his coffee. But I had been on stage worshiping through this entire process of loss and surrender and transformation that something happened to me visually in front of people that they saw the change happen. And so she knew something was different. She just didn't know what it was. But had that experience not happened a couple of weeks before with my friend who said, oh, you look different then what that lady said to me at church, I would have just fluffed off as, you know, insensitive and being nosy. Yeah, right. <laughs> but I'd already had a framework for, wait a minute, God, you're doing something. There's now evidence. Right. And so I can say, when you say, are you still there? I can say that I have journeyed long enough that I don't even recognize myself anymore. Mm. So how do you recognize yourself? What's what, how do you, what'd you learn through all of that? <laughs> that I was a mess mm. and that there was so much about God that I didn't know that there was so much about the way he loves me. And there was so much about what I had believed about him. That was not true. Mm, like, like what? Were, well, There was a lot of legalism and a lot of do this to get that. Yes. And it was almost as if this girl who was raised in this environment was striving for something from God when it was already mine. Yeah. And I just needed to see that it was mine. From the lens of, you're my daughter. This is yours because it's yours. And secondly, that thing that you're struggling with was paid for at the cross. You don't need to carry it around anymore. That's, you know, you're choosing to pick that up, but it was left at the cross. So then it's tapping into what does it look like to live from victory, not trying to earn 
victory because he says it was taken care of. And so do I really truly believe that? And in so many areas of my life, freedom, I have freedom in places I didn't know I was in bondage to, partly because of God's grace and he doesn't let us see all of it at one time, but partly because I'm so easy to be like, all right, something here has got to give. I don't like, what are we missing? What needs, what are we realigning in this season, God? Yeah. You're asking the questions. Yes. Um, Interesting. Yeah. I, that's so fascinating. And I think it's, the reason I wanted to know all that is because I think there is an epidemic in American churches right now of like, it's funny that no, churches didn't want to wear masks. It's like, well, you already were wearing masks every Sunday anyway. I don't know that it matters if you put one on your face, but uh, like that, I think that is, and is just everything that there's so much of what we teach and we enculturate and we, we kind of, shepherd people along. I was telling you earlier, like I'm so concerned about making not just, I don't want to use the word real. It's not whether you're a real disciple or not. It's whether you're a mature disciple or not. Right. Like we're all disciples of Jesus. We all, we all love him. We've all accepted and, and believed in him, but there's, there's growth, you know, like you have to, you have to grow. And so, you know, I often think about that passage. I'm thinking about this this week. There's a time when Jesus says to the Pharisees, like, you make disciples and you make them worse than you, right? Like you make them, you make them, you know, even, even worse. You put this big yoke on them and then they put a bigger yoke on other people. I feel like that's been happening, right? And so like for, for God to take you through a process of taking all that off and just getting rid of the yoke and letting you know who you were and who you could travel in or who you could, you could travel through life as it's kind of amazing. It's kind of, it's kind of a beautiful story. God really does the best transformation work and we <laughs> miss out on introducing people to that God first. We get them saved and serving and we miss an entire process in the beginning that says, all right, yes, we got you saved. You know who, you know, you know, you're, you were purchased with a price and that price is, so powerful and we should spend time in our liturgy of recognizing the sacrifice of Jesus. But we also need to know what that did for us. It restored us to what we had with God in the garden, community, sonship, all kinds of different things that were put back in order and the full authority that we now walk in because Jesus brought it back. And so until we recognize that we're carrying, we're just, we're just saved by grace. And that just drives me nuts. I'm like, really? Because that means that I'm constantly going to mess up. And instead of saying, no, my salvation was purchased for me, by the way, years before I was born. Right. (laughs) So like, I just had to choose God and then let him do the work to make me who He's desired and planned for me to be from the very beginning because he said he knit me together. His purposes and plans for me were there in the beginning. Now I just need to tap, figure out who he has created me to be before I get plugged in to go serve anywhere. And I don't have anything against serving. I served in the worship ministry. I served in the nursery. I taught stewardship. We taught all kinds of stuff. We did all of that stuff. But like when you talk about that being a yoke, sometimes it, it is. 
Yes. So I have a whole theory on that, that I don't have time to like give you the entire thing, but I'll give you the short version. I think, so I don't know if you've read, have you read the critical journey? You're a spiritual formation person. Have you read that? Right. Okay. So I took that and I kind of condensed it a little bit. And I say there's four parts of the journey. There's meeting Christ. Uh, there's learning the way of Jesus, right? Which is sort of all these things. And part of that is not only knowing, but then also doing. And that's where most churches, I think, t- can take you. Like they take you that far. But then you hit the dark night of the soul or whatever you want to call it, the wilderness, you called it. Um, and then at that point, uh, you get messy and then, you know, it gets hard. And so a lot of people don't want to do that. But those first three stages become this little engine, right? And that'll run a nonprofit really nice. That'll run a 501c3, no problem, right? Bring people in, get them serving, get them doing the things and no big deal. But it doesn't make mature disciples. You have to go through the desert. You have to find that you find yourself in Christ, which is what I like to call it, because I think yourself matters. And I think obviously Jesus matters uh, more, but, or as much, I don't know, but, but Jesus matters. And uh, I, I want to put us in that kind of relationship. And then there's the, se- the season of kind of loving like Christ, right? Which then is a whole new platform. And I love when I get to talk to those, those people, but um, yeah, it makes me wonder, Eric, what would really happen if we didn't put the machine? I mean, I love what, you know, you had a guest, uh, Jonathan Puddle talk about the machine. Yeah. Right. And if we didn't put people in that machine, if yeah. we, if we didn't have to go to Egypt first, where we yeah. put on all of these mindsets that the wilderness then has to strip off, what could that look like? How could we do things different? If, if we really realize that it's those foundational issues that we deal with in the wilderness became the beginning part of our foundation. Absolutely. Yeah. Because Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness. It doesn't have to take that long. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But from his baptism, it was spoken from heaven. You are my son who I am well, you know, who, and who I am well pleased. If we could receive that, if you heard at the moment of your salvation, Eric, I am well pleased. If I heard that Cheryl and I am well pleased, if I knew I had everything and I stood in my full inheritance of what that means from the moment of my faith, then my wilderness process would have only been 40, 40 days. Right where you're dealing with, you know, the threats of the enemy and, you know, all of the things, you know, about authority. Yes. Instead of, you know, what ends up being 40 years of sloughing off all of this extra that I never needed to begin with. Right. Which is really interesting. If When you read the New Testament, I'm thinking of Colossians right now, but you can read any of the any of the epistles, even, even Paul, who's used so often to create a yoke, I think. Um, so much of identity in there about who you are. He's telling people, he, even when he's dealing with people who are sinning, he's, what he's telling them is not, um, you know, hey, you're so bad for sinning. He's saying, hey, that's not worthy of you, who you really are, right? Like there's a whole different way to approach it. And I, I, so I agree with you, that whole identity in Christ. All right, so you went through this whole process uh, to kind of find who you are. Who are you now? Like, how do you see yourself and how, and the impact that you're making in the world that he's, he's called you to do? I see myself as somebody who stands 
in full authority of everything Jesus set right with the world. My full authority as a daughter of God. And what does that then mean to be his daughter, to be the princess of the King of Kings yeah, and the Lord of Lords, to have that type of royalty mindset that says, okay, God, you are not withholding from me. I am not in the hands of an angry God that you desire. You have purposes and plans for me that are bigger and better than I could ever possibly imagine that you said that in that I would be able to walk in such a way that if we read the book of Acts, when they were so filled with the spirit, Peter's shadow healed people to be able to walk in so much knowledge of who God is and be able to operate fully in the gifts that God has given us to be able to pray for people and not wonder. Yeah. And to recognize that, you know what, you have asked, you know, you have spoken to me, you said, hey, I want you to pray for that person as awkward as that is, and to go do it and trust God that he will touch them and not have this whole dialogue between here and there, like, well, maybe what if it doesn't, Uh -uh, none of that, to not have this poverty mindset that says, well, I have to have some sort of explanation when it doesn't work. Really? Do I? Or do I have to say, Could that be how God touches them today? That they felt like, you know what? Somebody saw me. Somebody saw me. When when you read something, when you hear something and you feel seen, that is a big gift. And sometimes that's the only gift we're supposed to give that person today. And God, we trust him with the outcome. And to be able to trust God with the outcome and just do what he says, that's where I'm at. And trying not to... Um, you know, here's one of the things that I find frustrating about the business side of, you know, of ministry, the business side of what it is that we do is that often people are like, well, here's this 12 step plan that works. Here's this program. Here's go build that, go write a book. I did that. Go write a program. Go do that. Go do all of these things will be the ticket. And it doesn't work if it's outside of God's will, his timing which none of us like the word wait, (laughs) Um, or if he's got a different way for you to do it and we're all of a sudden doing it according to someone else's blueprint and we haven't asked him for hours. So I'm shedding all of that and like, all right, I want to do nothing, absolutely nothing until I get my orders from heaven in my prayer time in that chair over there in the corner of my office. Yeah. Yeah, which is what Jesus said, right? I don't do anything without hearing, without seeing, seeing what the Father's doing, right? But that doesn't help grow. And that doesn't help. You were like, well, that feels so lazy. Is it? Or is it empowering? Yeah. And is it taking just just taking time, right? Like growth takes time. It doesn't take, you know, it's not overnight. Now, sometimes it can be because we (laughs) often step into the power of acceleration. We're like, where is that? Well, I don't know how Philip got to the chariot that was riding through the desert, but somehow God transported him there. Right. And then we've got all kinds of ways that God multiplies fish and bread by feeding a bunch of people. And you're like, I don't know how this is going to happen. And we end up in this worry and anxiety over our little lunch. And he's just like, I just want you to feed somebody with it. Right. And so we get into this place for how, and we need to not worry about the how and trust the who just switch your letters around. Right. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So you mentioned you wrote a book. Tell us, tell us about that and kind of what you're doing now. Cause you found a, a new, a new, occupation. Yes. So 
um, I wrote a book. Yes. It's called roar back transforming struggle into strength. And it's the story of my layoff that God walked me through in this whole entire transformation process. And none of the things we discussed today, Eric, very few are actually in the book. So great job at being (laughs) such a great interviewer and pulling new things out. Um, so the book is about what God did, and it's essentially a DIY manual for people to have similar transformation process with God, to partner with the Holy Spirit, because at the end of the day, he's the one that does all the work. And so while I recognize this was my process and this was my path, it could help somebody, God's going to do it in his own order of things. For uh, He's going to have a unique path for each and every one of us. And so it's just leaning into that and saying, you know, um, here's one way that God did it because I strongly believe that our stories, the things that we have survived, it says in revelation that we overcome him by the blood of the lamb, which is the blood of Jesus and the word of our testimony. Yeah. And so with, you know, shows like yours, we're getting people out to share the story, to share their testimony, to say, Hey, your what you walked through matters because it can touch somebody else's life. And I know that people listening today, our conversation has touched somebody. Yes. That's what, so that part of the book is, um, it's an acronym. It stands for learning how to respond to the circumstances that hit our life by standing on the promises of God, overcoming the obstacles along the way, applying what we've learned, and then revealing our story to people. And that's what I've been doing the last year and nice. a half is sharing this, getting confidence to share the message and um, you know, trusting the doors that God opens to get it out to people. I love it. Well, I think you're doing a great job. I've really enjoyed hearing some of your story. Um, is there anything like that we didn't cover that we should cover that you want to, that you want to kind of add about kind of where God has you and, and kind of the work that you're doing? So God has me in a place where there are things that he has spoken or dreams that I've gotten or encouraging words that I've received from other people that are very directional for what he's going to have for me next. And Sometimes we feel like, oh, I got to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. What do I have to do to get there? Yeah. And God is like, I don't want you to do anything. Like I have to go hire. I mean, and I'm in a place, Eric, where I realize I need help. I can't do these things on my own. But every single door that I have gone through to go hire somebody or to try to go um, is closed. And it's either not the time or he's going to do it in such a mm. divine way that I'm going to know that it's him. Because that's what he likes. He likes it when he gets to show up and show off. And so if you're in this place and you feel like I am not in my promised land yet, the thing that God has spoken over me, the thing that I feel like I'm called to do, and, you know, I'm however old that I am and it's I'm not there yet, hang on to God because he's not going to let you miss it. Yeah. He's not going to let us miss it. Right. And that's the thing about timing, right? And the thing about kind of trusting and letting him do the work. And also I think maybe you alluded to this earlier is this that we're okay the way we are, right? Like we, we are, we are here. And if you're faithful to what it is God's asked you to do, that's enough. That's enough. That's what you need to be doing. And he says in his word that he will light our path. Yeah. And he will lead us. We just need to ask. And so that means that he will do that. Yeah. Trust that. I love it. Know how to ask him and look for it. Very good. Okay. Well, where can people find you and find the book? So all of that is available at my website, um, SherilynDecker.com and uh, forward slash halfway is a 
great place. I'll have all those resources for your listeners there. The book is available on Amazon. It's also, you can get signed copies on my website if you'd like. I have a big, huge box I just got in the mail the other day. So there's 300 books ready to go off the shelf. Glad to sign them for you. Um, that's where they are. And then I'm all over social media, but I do it myself. So, you know, I'm, yeah. I'm there when I'm there and I'm not when I'm not. And I'm just kidding. I get that. <laughs> I get that. I love that. Okay, great. So that's good. SherilynDecker.com slash halfway. Guys, go check that out. Connect with Sherilyn. I'd love it. Sherilyn, thanks so much for being here. Is there anything, just last word you want to leave us with? No, I just want to encourage you, Eric. You are doing such a fantastic job, not just your platform for podcasters to find guests and to meet with people. And I just want to affirm that, but your gift of sharing people's stories and asking the right questions to dig deep is is a treasure and I feel like people are always listening to your question being like oh man I wouldn't have even thought of that because you asked me so many questions today that I had to pause and I'm sure you'll cut that of all the editing <laughs> because I was just waiting to figure out how to respond to so you know his editing is now a gift to all of you who, who don't have to listen to my long silence so I just want to affirm you and your gifts oh uh, thanks I appreciate that thanks for being here <laughs>